Welcome to Mindful Social, the show that intersects mindfulness and emotional intelligence with the hectic online world we live in today. Hey everybody, welcome to Mindful Social. This week I'm with Heidi Sloss and I would really love you to meet her and get to know what she's been going through in her life. And Heidi, I'd like to start with, tell me a little bit about what you were doing, say, 10 years ago. Uh, 20, 2009. Oh, gosh. Um, so I will tell you, I'm really good with space and people, but time, woo! <laughs> um, it's a concept that still blows my mind. Um, 10 years ago, we had just moved back to California, and I had a, a freshman in high school and a sophomore in college, kids, so I was keeping a beat on that, and I had run, by that time, three different successful businesses, um, and an international nonprofit. And I was trying to figure out what could I do that put my skill set together and used it in ways that gave me pleasure and, and helped others, and yet still keep a beat on the one who I had at home. Because um, it's a, a tough time in an adolescent's life, and I just wanted to keep a beat on her. Mm -hmm. um, and I realized that when I had taught workshops and given uh, keynote presentations at conferences, I had done a whole lot of parenting conferences all across the country, that giving those talks and workshops really made my heart sing. And so I decided to get some training and got accredited by Coach University. It's an online program, I don't know, six months or nine months to get their accreditation, and that I could help small business people, because at that point I had run several businesses. I had been in clothing manufacturing, I had run a successful real estate business and, and the international nonprofit. And so I was looking for something like that. And I actually got quite a bit of traction doing some business coaching for small business, small and medium sized businesses, mostly women owned, but not necessarily all. Um, and then I got started to get hired on the keynote speaking circuit and that was super super cool and what were and, your speaking topics um on marketing because mm -hmm. what i noticed is that anytime i said the word marketing to a business owner their hair got on fire and they started to break out in hives in a cute little way but in a way that was obviously producing anxiety for them and i wanted to break down the concept of marketing from this advertising sell you know ginzu knife buy one now buy another now buy another now kind of craziness to building a relationship the idea of marketing is about building a relationship until a prospect or referral source, source wants to do business with you. And if, if I could break it down and, and help people see that it wasn't a nightmare, that, that they could do it, then that would help improve their business because I wanted to be in service. And um, so it started from marketing to then understanding prospects, how to how to actually be a better friend uh, was sort of the layman way, but then being able to take those things that one could learn from reading people and interacting with them and how best to meet their needs as a salesperson. So um, that led to doing sales and marketing trainings and workshops for mid-sized companies around here. And it was great until it wasn't. <laughs> And what made it not what, uh, great anymore was that I found so much resistance 
um, on the part of business owners. So many wanted things to be different. They wanted their businesses to grow. They wanted to be successful, but they really didn't want to change. And they really didn't want to have to do anything different. They really wanted to be uh, service people, not business owners. And there is a disconnect. And I found that I would come up with great marketing plans and, and we'd talk about the skills and, and it would be a really wonderful interaction. And then when we check back in, whatever time later, no difference. And it actually depressed me <laughs> to, sure. to work with people who don't really change because my life has been all about transformation and all about changing on a constant basis. I mean, I personally think all of us are like that, but m many of us hold so rigidly tight to our lives that we don't and aren't willing to change. But I just couldn't, I, they couldn't pay me enough to, mm -hmm. to have clients who just were too stuck and didn't want to change. Well, for the benefit of the audience, we're in total agreement. <laughs> That's, that's a been a very important part of my life change as well, that it's just not fulfilling to keep hitting your head against a brick wall and realizing that people don't want what they think they want and they don't actually know what they want. Right. And they get stuck and they don't know what to do. Right. And I don't mind people searching. I love people searching. I'm sure. a searcher and I'm a constant learner and I'm very curious, um, as I know that you are. Um, but I have a hard time. It's almost like hope sucking or hope killing to be with people who refuse to change actively. And mm -hmm. I just couldn't, couldn't do it. So um, what happened? My mother got diagnosed with Alzheimer's and I had had a complicated relationship with my mother as many of us do. And it completely changed our relationship. And part of what changed it was that she was only 22 years older than me. And in my head, I had always had that, well, someday I'll get back on the yoga mat. Someday I'll learn a new language. You know, all of these things we tell ourselves. And I thought, wow, if she's got Alzheimer's, it was somewhat early, she was mid seventies. Um, if that's gonna happen to me in 22 years, what am I doing with my life? And mm -hmm. the next day I bought a new yoga mat and went back to yoga and it had been 25 years at that point uh, since I'd been on a yoga mat and that led to a journey where I am now uh, an active yoga teacher. I teach at several studios. I teach a gentle vinyasa style yoga, um, all ages, all stages. I also do a restorative yoga um, and I feel like my, my classes are a gift from my heart to my students. And, mm -hmm. um, I, I just love it. Now, my wheelhouse of students are women over 50, uh, active uh, to some degree. I just love uh, being in a yoga room with, with the, the women of that tribe, so to speak, or that community, because um, seeing their transformation transforms me on a mm. regular basis. So it feeds my soul and my heart, and I hope it does for them, too. <laughs> <laughs> They keep coming back, so that's a good sign. That is a good sign. That is a good sign. So that journey must have been really different to, to go from being a businesswoman to really immersing yourself in yoga. And really, you've put in how many hours now? You've got, gosh, she, this woman's been training a lot. 
So to be a registered yoga teacher is a 200 hour course if you want to be registered with Yoga Alliance. And there are studios that will not hire a teacher unless they, they at least have that 200 hour. So it's not like a weekend kind of class. Mm -hmm. um, and that class actually was quite stressful. There were mostly younger people. And when I say younger, um, late 20s to mid 40s. There were three of us north of 50, 50 for sure in that class. Mm -hmm. um, and the actual yoga wasn't the part that was stressful on me, but uh, learning anatomy, <laughs> parts of my, my anatomy that I had no idea about, learning um, uh, Sanskrit, um, and uh, learning other kinds of concepts that were a part of the program and having to memorize and um, give it back in several um, exams. You know, mm -hmm. I've been out of that learning curve in that way uh, for a long time. So that was my 200 hour. And then a few years later, I decided that really I wanted to learn more. So I am just almost completed an, an additional 300 hours. And so that's why sometimes you'll see yoga teachers where it has the 200 RYT after their name, or I will celebratory coming up, um, be able to be a 500 RYT um, mm. plus the 200. And in the course of my 300, you sort of get um, to specialize more. And my specialization is yoga for healthy aging. I got certified in that. Um, and then uh, next, uh, about six weeks from now, I'm going to be uh, taking an accessible yoga certification. That is all a part of my uh, 300 hour because I really want to help people who don't see themselves as being comfortable in a yoga studio or um, in a yoga class, help them have an experience of yoga because yoga is not about physical fitness. It's not a gymnastics course. It's really a mindset. And um, uh, the physical part is really done to help people calm their mind so that they can actually uh, be ready to sit in meditation. Mm -hmm. Well, I know that, you know, and I, I think I told you before that I've had some experience with yoga through my through my years of practicing different things, the most resonant for me was Tai Chi because it's really about slow and, and beautiful movements. But uh, I've tried yoga a few different times and failed miserably, A, because I am not a pretzel, B, I'm not very flexible, and C, it's hard. Boy, when you start, and you know, at my age, when you start trying to follow these younger people, um, beyond basic stretching, it is really difficult. And I actually found myself in physical pain quite often. And so, of course, I walked away and went back to Tai Chi. But I would love to hear more about restorative yoga and particularly, uh, you know, how this applies to women who are over 40 or 50 and our physicality and how we can actually incorporate these these ideas, these concepts into life without turning into a pretzel and killing ourselves. <laughs> well, first of all, no killing ourselves. Um, that's, yeah, that's not good. So I do want to say, I think Tai Chi and Qigong are fabulous uh, practices. And they're, they're, the aim of them is just like with yoga. The idea is to move the body in such a way that comes the mind and comes the nervous system and helps us get out of our head in that flight 
and fight mode and to really have an experience of being in our bodies and being human. So mm -hmm. there are many roads to that. Um, I'm going to make a guess that some of the yoga classes you were in were not appropriate for you. And um, it's more of a teacher or a marketing situation where they didn't um, make the experience so that all students are welcome because you don't have to be a pretzel and you don't have to be, you know, photo ready for the cover of yoga journal because I certainly am not <laughs> and will I be. Um, I like to tell people that of any age and stage that there are two types of bodies. There are either those who are really strong, but really inflexible or people who are flexible, but not really strong. And mm -hmm. yoga, what, what I love about yoga, and I think one could say something similar about Tai Chi, but not quite, is that if you're really flexible and need to build strength, there are certain yoga poses that are perfect for that. And if you're really strong and need to build flexibility, there are other yoga poses that are perfect for that. And that's why yoga is a more complete uh, uh, way of movement rather than gymnastics or, or some other exercise form. And as our bodies age and our joints need more lubrication and our muscles need more flexibility or, and or strength to support our bodies um, and help our bone uh, strength, et cetera, et cetera, moving slowly in and out of the poses is more of the gentle flow kind of classes that I like to teach. Now you reference restorative yoga. It's a different kind of class. Mm -hmm. So a flow or a vinyasa and frankly, I believe anybody over 50 should be in a gentle class, but I, we won't go down that route unless you really need to. Um, but uh, that's the idea of those flow classes or vinyasas are building some heat. You might not necessarily sweat, but you're building heat and uh, trying to get the pump, heart pumping and the blood pumping in, in ways that support moving the lymph system to clean out the body so that you feel better afterwards. That's one of the reasons why you do feel better. A restorative yoga is a calming. It's cooling and um, it, it's more grounding and more restful. And it, the idea is to help uh, people get into that in-between state that's not quite sleep and not quite wake. So they're nervous system of fight and flight and fear can calm down and be more in that um, nervous system that's more about resting and digesting. And frequently because many um, people are, uh, you know, totally sleep deprived and crazed in their lives, some people do fall asleep in a restorative yoga. Um, and if that's what students need, I totally let them unless they're snoring too loud. But <laughs> In general, um, a great practice is a balance between those. So there's some movement to get the heart going. And, you know, what do they say now? The uh, sitting is the new smoking. And, you know, um, if we all move somewhat every day, 20 to 30 minutes, um, it will make a, a big difference in our health and longevity. And mm -hmm. so a nice slow movement uh, yoga class where you're moving in and out of a pose and then maybe holding it for some breaths that's easy on the joints can do absolute wonders for any body of any shape 
and, and any of us at any age. So that's the kind of classes that I love teaching and uh, look for opportunities to, to get to participate in. Mm. So can you tell me a little bit about what kind of changes you've seen either in your students or in yourself as a result of this shift? So that's a great question. So the idea is, um, at least my interpretation, my kind of teaching is that the yoga poses are supposed to serve our bodies, not our bodies serve the yoga pose, meaning that you want to get in and out of the yoga poses safely, but in a challenge, a way that challenges us. Mm -hmm. And so that the analogy of, look, I can move through something that I don't know that I can do, or I'm frightened that I can't do, and I can move through, have an experience that isn't going to hurt uh, and isn't going to damage and injure me. And take that then analogy off the mat so that when we are experiencing life, that we have that same, we, we've, taught our brain and taught our body the memory of that experience so that when we're going through life and we have stress with a family member or a neighbor or a coworker or someone at a grocery store, we can realize we can move through this stress, this challenge, and still be okay and, and be um, better than okay on the other side. And so that to me is one of the reasons why I think yoga is important and it certainly has helped me with that. So when I was going through as a student, my mother's illness and subsequent death, uh, tremendously helpful to help me quiet my mind so I could have the experience without going into a total deregulated nervous system. Mm -hmm. um, but there's other times. So we travel a lot. My husband and I do travel a lot and I love exploring new places and going new to new things, but I actually get quite nervous about a place that I've never been to. What do I pack? Uh, how am I going to get there? When I get there, what will the experience be? Will I have the right things? Will I brought too many things? You know, like all oh, in my head in yoga, we call that the monkey mind chatter. Um, and I have found that the practices between yoga poses or asanas or uh, as well as yoga exercises uh, of breath work, also called pranayama, um, has really helped me to take on the challenges that life brings, whether it's traveling or family, and calm me down so that I'm not avoiding doing the things that I love, but I'm not experiencing them stressfully or as stressfully. And um, that's been great because some of the travel we've done has been overseas and that can be a great adventure, but it also can be nerve wracking. Um, but I think, you know, you and I both live in the Bay area and driving on our highways can be a stressful <laughs> event. And so like, how do we get in our car and go from point A to point B and not, not have a bad experience, mm -hmm. just have a really great experience, even though we're stuck in traffic, even though, you know, we're being cut off, even though there's craziness all around us, how do we maintain that equilibrium? And certainly my yoga practice um, as a student and as a teacher has brought that. But I do have to say, if I were to define yoga, I would not be defining the gymnastic movement that we think of and have seen vi videos of. I think of it as uh, both a moving, a movement, um, uh, a movement uh, meditation, Mm -hmm. That there's a meditative quality in the process of 
the practice. And if there's not, if it's just gymnastics, then that's beautiful to watch, but that's not the kind of yoga that I participate in or teach. It is beautiful to watch and it's very impressive. And to me, it's a, a sort of an art form, um, <clears throat> but it's also daunting. Mm-hmm. And I think what attracts me to ideas like gentle flow yoga and restorative yoga is really that where I am at in my life, and as you mentioned, driving on you know Bay Area freeways, dealing with the day-to-day stressors, that's where I find that mindfulness, and I'm going to learn all about this gentle flow yoga and at the retreat that we're doing in Sedona, and I'm so excited that you're going to be there. It's, it, I'm looking for a new way to physically um, expand a little bit without going back to hurting myself. <laughs> Absolutely. So one of the cool things that I love doing, I teach a five-week yoga for healthy aging class. Mm. It's five weeks. Um, you know, it's not a drop-in class. You have to sign up and, and to, to do it. And one of the things I really love is that we all have physical challenges, right? So the one of the classes I did, I had a gal who had um, problems with her wrists. And so she really, she said to me, I want to do it. I want the experience. She's in her mid-70s and she's in great shape, but she didn't want to spend a whole lot of time dumping her weight on her wrists, either in down dog or other poses where her feet and hands are on the mat. Mm-hmm. And there is some benefit to actually being in some of those poses. But a lot of us have really, as we age, our joints have not aged well. And so there are cool ways to give someone a yoga experience that takes into consideration whatever physical or health challenges they have. I had somebody in the class who had glaucoma. She couldn't put her head below her heart. Mm-hmm. Another person who had back issues. So there are ways to have a yoga experience that make you feel great and do, do not injure you. And that's, that's my wheelhouse. That's the part of uh, being a teacher that excites me a lot. Because as I said, it's not about doing a headstand although those are great too. Um, they're about, uh, so it's not about doing a headstand or achieving a pose that um, uh, seems unachievable, but it's really about what our minds go through in that process as we're trying to move in to the pose. And then what we're saying to our mind is we're moving out of the pose. And if mm-hmm. we're doing it in a, as you would call mindful way or a moving meditation way, um, then I think there's some real juicy bits for all of us. What do we tell ourselves when we are trying to do something that we don't think we can do? Mm -hmm. Um, And how do we talk to ourselves? And it's a really fascinating thing. And I think women are so hard on ourselves. And, you know, we're so nice to our girlfriends. We love our girlfriends and we are encouraging and we talk nice to them. But the internal dialogue in our head is, is often unbelievably cruel. And I think yoga actually can help transform that in the right class with the right teacher mm-hmm. uh, who's not, you know, who's about making their students feel good and not about, oh, well, we'll have to adapt it for your body. You know, the minute anybody hears that in a yoga class, leave. That's not a, a good fit student-wise. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, even though it's not intended as shaming, it still is. Yeah. Oh, 
fake time. And I, I have certainly experienced that both as a student and uh, on the yoga mat and, and in other places. And I'm sorry, but uh, I hope we don't get too racy here, but my motto is life is too short for that shit. And yep. I, I don't have a whole lot of tolerance for that. Um, there is space for all of us. And most of us grow in a nurturing or kind environment. And so I want to only be a part of it as a teacher or a student in those kind of nurturing environments. And I want to be challenged and I want to be challenging too, but from a place of kindness and not mm -hmm. a place of cruelty. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely essential because we don't learn well when we're feeling challenged in a negative way. And um, I think, you know, the idea of bringing self-compassion to the practice as well as, Oh, God, I can't do this. I, I'm trying so hard to strike a few keywords from my vocabulary. One of them is I don't, I never, and I can't. Because all of those are just totally self-demeaning things. Yeah. And I find myself saying them way too often. And I'm fortunate to be with an amazing woman who tells me, stop that. <laughs> Do it. So she's helping me train myself into not uh, constantly just demeaning yourself without thinking about it. So a friend of mine wrote a book. Uh, this is actually the gal who helped me write my book uh, 10, 11 years ago, mm -hmm. nine years ago. Um, uh, she wrote a book and uh, it's called I Get To. And mm -hmm. she has another part of the subtitle, but it's this idea that so much in our head is I have to. You know, I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to get this done, I have to now take a yoga class and achieve these crazy poses, and instead, reframing this from I have to to I get to. Mm -hmm. And I have found that even with experiences that I am not looking forward to, um, if I can start talking about it as I get to, it changes actually my whole approach to those experiences. Mm -hmm. And um, I... I'm pretty confident I would not have been able to get there without having my yoga practice as a student and now as a teacher. And it's part of that slow flow moving uh, practice, as well as the restorative yoga, as well as these workshops that I've gotten to teach. Um, and uh, like you, my life has been uh, transformed as I've gotten older. Uh, I keep thinking, okay, this is it. I've arrived. And um, I was in Tucson last weekend and uh, sitting and talking to a woman. I didn't quite realize she was uh, a good 25 years older than me, but uh, she, she was, she was, <laughs> and she was talking about how she still feels like she's wondering what she's going to do when she grows up. And mm. she said, you know, I'm almost 80 or maybe 85. I can't remember quite the age she said, but I thought, wow, that's just really cool because you know, that isn't an arrival moment. It's always a process. And that's why I love yoga. And that's why I love being a part of the yoga world. And the part of the small corner I've carved out for myself in that world, there are plenty of other people who are into that in that way. So, mm. Yeah, it's a really beautiful thing to think that we don't have to arrive and stay where we are to be yes. able to continue to grow, to be able to continue to learn. And yeah, I, I'm a lifelong addicted to learning kind of person. So that growth is what keeps me going. It's so exciting to just have new avenues 
And, yeah. um, so you started the question, uh, the conversation we're having, uh, asking what I was doing 10 years ago. And we had just moved back to the Bay Area. But if you would ask me that, what was I doing 15 years ago or 20 years ago? And, and the activity wasn't important, but I certainly was in a place in my life where I was feeling very stuck. Mm. We were living in the Midwest. I wasn't super happy about where we were living. Um, I was 55 pounds overweight and just stuck. I wasn't um, where I wanted to be. And fast forward to 2008 when we moved back to the Bay Area, Bay Area and over the first two years of being back, I lost 55 pounds. I wrote a book. I changed my life significantly. Um, I'm a big one about environment. I know I could have done it any environment, but it certainly wasn't a, a easier. I, I wasn't physically and mentally able or ready to do that in the space we were living. And once we moved back to the Bay Area, I just felt like I could. Mm -hmm. And when I think back to feeling stuck, and rigid and scared and to my life now where I still get scared and anxious, but I'm excited about that, those changes. <laughs> That's a, a, a really beautiful gift. And mm -hmm. part of that is through yoga. And that is what I wanna be a part of when I'm teaching. Mm -hmm. And those are the people who um, come to my classes, people who want to be a part of that as well, maybe in smaller ways. Um, but uh, one of the most cool experiences I ever had as a yoga teacher was there was a gal who uh, we were doing pre headstand stuff against a wall with lots of blankets and pillows all around us. So people felt safe. And I was spotting each person individually. And this gal got in a headstand for the first time since she had been a child. And mm -hmm. She came down and she said, that was a, an amazing gift. Thank you. And I said, you gave it to yourself. And she said that she wanted, couldn't wait to go home and tell her 11-year-old son what she had done, <laughs> that mom had gotten into a headstand. And I think that we get into these rigid mindsets of seeing ourselves, you know, and it's really great when we can step out of that and see possibilities. Yes. Yes. So much so. So much so. And it, it's really, as you said, it, it's so easy to get stuck. And then we get stuck about being stuck and we keep ourselves bottled up. And popping that cork is hard. It's yeah. really, really hard. And, uh, you know, I say this to my son all the time when he says that he's scared of something that you're not scared, actually. You're, you know, like if it's a, a ride at Santa Cruz, you're not scared, you're excited. And you need to understand how each of those things feel so you can recognize it in your body somatically when you actually aren't scared of dying. You're scared of moving forward into some new adventure and that's exciting. And that's what's really so wonderful when you realize, oh, I'm excited. Totally different mindset and it's very hard to get there, but when you do, it's really cool. It really <laughs> So uh, 25 years ago, I was very active in La Leche League International, and there was a gal who was a um, uh, volunteer from South Africa, Cape Town, I think, or Cape Elizabeth, I can't quite remember where, but she said she was also a doctor and a hospice uh, doctor, and mm -hmm. she said, our biology is such that we change or we die. It, it, no organism 
on the planet can stay the same. Everything is changing. Mm -hmm. Even solid objects have to be changing over time, but humans especially and other mammals. And I just loved this idea. And when I feel stuck, I have to remind, my, remind myself, I've got to change. It, and it feels like a death. It definitely feels like something to be frightened of. But um, uh, what, what is usually on the other side is so exciting and so um, worth it. Uh, and I feel like that was part of my job as a parent. I spend a lot of time reminding my children that what they're nervous about, just as you were talking about, um, that it, it's about not just excitement, but that they can cope with it, that they built a resiliency muscle, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I think that, that these moving practices like Qigong or Tai Chi and certainly yoga uh, is about that as well. You know, we have resilience. So today I got on the mat and you know what? I didn't achieve the pose I wanted to, but I got on the mat, right? Mm -hmm. And some days it's, I got out of bed <laughs> and some days it's, it's even less, but where can we find the success in that? Because there are successes for all of us, depending on what, what we're each going through and building from that and not mm -hmm. being devastated and not cutting ourselves off from all these exciting possibilities. Like going on a retreat together. Like going on a retreat together, which is, I'm so excited um, about the opportunity to work together because we've known each other for a little while and, and it's really fun to think that we're going to bring all of the mindfulness and emotional intelligence and you teach meditation too and the yoga and the mindset that you bring to this is really valuable to me. And I think the two of us together are going to be just freaking amazing. Well, you know, I think that we all crave community and we, mm -hmm. uh, especially in this world of online and social media, uh, I think the, one of the reasons so many people spend so much time online is they're craving connection yes. and community. And I think some, I've seen amazingly positive things come from that online, but I think that there's something magical much more profound and meaningful that happens when we get together in person. And I think retreats for women are part of that. I've been going on retreats uh, for uh, over 10 years uh, and this creating a temporary community or tribe um, is really uh, so helpful for all of us and to get to do it in Sedona. Wow. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm excited. I've never been, but all I've read about oh. Sedona sounds cool. You're going to love it. Yeah. And I think, you know, what, what is really important to me is that these kind of retreats create a safe Harbor. They create a place where there really isn't any way that you can do anything wrong, that you're safe. You can be who you are and you can expand and getting out of your, current space, wherever that is, and taking that step towards doing something that's really for self-care, it's huge and incredibly impactful. And if I won the lotto, I'd do, one, I'd do many things, but one of the things that I would do would be to go on retreats because I find so much value in that I'm going here to take care of myself. Yeah. And it's, it's an amazing experience. Yes, so. I'm excited about doing, um, providing yoga in that uh, space, this idea mm -hmm. of 
waking up and doing a, a gentle flow to sort of get the heart beating in a gentle way and uh, uh, waking up kind of way. My kids, when they went to preschool, used to do a, an I'm awake and ready kind of exercise of hmm. uh, getting ready for their school in the morning because the idea was that the body had to be working so that the blood is pumping so that the brain is fully functional. And so that's how I'm approaching the morning practice that I'll be getting, uh, getting <laughs> to offer. And then um, on this, I guess the last day, a restorative yoga uh, experience with a guided meditation. I know you'll be doing a whole bunch of doing that during the retreat, but that'll be the time that I'll get to. And I'm, um, I always feel like it's a gift from my heart to whoever is in the room. And I'm, I'm really excited about that. That's beautiful. Well, thank you. I'm looking forward to it too. I think it's going to be great. And I really appreciate you sharing with us today kind of about your journey, because I think that a lot of people are struggling to take a step, not just for self care, but for their sanity, for things that they've always wanted to do. And they just haven't taken that step. They're stuck and getting unstuck is an amazing experience and everyone should experience that. I agree. I, I do want to add one little thing. And so um, those who know me well have known that I've had all sorts of um, physical challenges. Uh, I have constantly injured uh, my left ankle. I've had three surgeries on it. I have some mobility issues. And yet, even with that, after that last devastating fall, uh, where I shattered the joint and the bones, I still was able afterwards to become a yoga teacher. And I really want to encourage anybody who has whatever physical or mental thoughts of their own limitations and seeing themselves as not where they were in their 20s, we're all there. Mm -hmm. And the the both the yoga and my understanding of the retreat after we've talked is all are welcome all body shapes all uh, physical abilities are, are welcome and we will make that work i certainly do in every yoga class uh, make that work uh, and um, there are props to be had everywhere and i make full use of those so that all bodies can have an experience and not feel less than or left out from because that is not the space that I want to be a part of. And so um, if I can overcome or not overcome, but uh, accept and move through some of my mobility issues, I want to make sure that anybody listening and thinking about attending doesn't use that as an excuse for not coming. We'll make it work. That's absolutely. This Great. is an inclusive environment and one that is going to be very welcoming to anyone because it really is, in the end, we are here to serve. It's about you. It's not about us. And that is my joy as well. So this has wonderful. been wonderful. Thank, Thank you. you so much for your time. Sure. Thanks for asking me. Hey, thank you so much for listening to Mindful Social. As always, if there's something that you loved about the show or didn't like about the show, please let me know in the comments. Send me an email at Janet at JanetFouts.com or reach out to me on Twitter at JFouts. And if you know someone who would be a great guest on the show, I'd love to hear about it. Please do share the show with your friends if you enjoyed it. The more, the merrier. Thank you.